The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. A while back, when I was out to the Wisconsin Apple Growers meeting, I heard some things there that you wouldn't hear here in Maine. Two old men talking. I'm talking real old men, old, older than me. One of them said, How come our minds don't get older like our bodies? How come 19-year-old girls still look good to 80-year-old men? Tell me why 80-year-old women don't look good. The other fellow said, They do at mealtime. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. You know, with any luck at all, I'm right here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you so much for listening. Did you know that it is 100% illegal to put manure on main fields between December 1st and March 15th. Doesn't this pretty well explain why, when you drive past a farm around Christmas time, the cows are always wearing such a pained expression? <laughs> Thank you. 
rhythm section there alone together a very nice rhythm section there all alone together with Paul Desmond somewhere over in a stocking or a shoe somewhere playing in, playing in the other corner of the room here's a little helpful tip every once in a while I pass along helpful tips this is a helpful tip that you might I hope you never need to use this tip in case you do the flapper in our toilet was not closing every time. It would close down 19 out of 20 times, perhaps, and shut the water off. But after 19 times of seeing it work right, you know, you got slack. You didn't check it before leaving the bathroom, and then it would mess up, stay open and stick, and pump the water supply dry. Well, it stuck again late last night. I left the bathroom without checking to see if the flapper had closed. And an hour later, I was roused out of a sound sleep in bed by, <clears throat> well, you know those powerful people in the home who do not go to bed at 8 o'clock like I do. And I was roused out because there was no water. I looked. Sure enough, the flapper was stuck open. Now, this is a new system. Don't tell me to put in a new system, new flapper, because I just put in the whole new system a month ago when the old flapper occasionally stuck open. But, yeah, new flapper wouldn't close every time either. Last night, when I finally got to bed around midnight, finally hit me. If I tied a nut on the flapper with a piece of wire, it'd give that flapper enough extra weight to force it down and keep it from sticking. Good idea, huh? But then I googled later this morning that, to see if there was a better solution to tying a nut on it. And it said, oh, use different kinds of acid, check the chain, buy a new unit, all kinds of advice that didn't seem to address our problem. But then, here it is, a better idea than mine. My idea was to tie a nut on the flapper to give it extra weight. And this said, listen closely in case this ever happens to you. It needs more weight. Just slide a washer down the chain big enough to help gravity out so that it rests on top of the flapper valve. Unquote, hooray, hooray. Once again for Google. I slipped a half inch or so washer over the chain, and now the washer rests on top of the flapper. How much you want to bet a quarter the weight of that washer has fixed it? As you know, I'm telling you about this in case it happens to you someday. I just want to help you out someday. Keep it in mind. Put the washer on there. I know you have total recall, and I know you never forget good advice. that you go, I can't believe that you're in love with me. Oh, baby, I have always placed you far above me. 
I just can't imagine when you say that you love me And after all is said and done To think that I'm the lucky one Can't believe you're in love with me Doodly-dump, doodly-dump on the drums there. My word. Surprised me. Peter Eklund, of course. I like Peter Eklund. I recently discovered him. My friend Louise sent me some Peter Eklund, and I've been hooked on Peter Eklund ever since. One morning, we turned on the news to discover that the ocean had wiped out a few low-lying neighborhoods along the, along the Atlantic coast. Now, even though... We read that the sea level is predicted to rise even more over the next hundred years. We were told that boardwalks and houses will quickly be rebuilt in the same place. Now, someone who's 81 years old is going to tell you that a hundred years is not much time. That goes, it goes by like that. Hmm. Anyway, should houses that are being built on land that will soon once again be inundated and washed away by seawater... Should these places be required to pay a higher premium for their insurance than those of us who live on high, high, high ground? Or should our premiums be raised to help pay for homes built on sand by the shore? What are they building on sand? In some parts of the world, people are already perching their houses on top of 10-foot steel poles. And if you've been down in the Florida Keys, you know this is true. A lot of places along the shore in Florida on 10-foot steel poles. I even know a place in Tense Harbor. I think Mouse Island. I think the fellow that just bought that. Mouse Island, I think his house is sitting on top of tall steel poles. If people build houses on land that's about to be washed over by seawater, 
Should they get aid from the government as well as our best wishes for their health and happiness? What do you think? Or should they be encouraged to move to higher ground right now? Well, luckily, it's a good thing we don't have to vote on it because the rise in seawater is eventually going to make that decision for them. sure we didn't hear the last note on that. I think that was Neil Hefty arrangement. I've been listening to that a lot. Skyliner, Charlie Barnett. Used to hear it on the radio when I was a kid. And too bad, so sad, speaking of when I was a kid. Were you aware, did you know this? Did you know that technology has destroyed a genre that was dear to the hearts of all Americans back when I was a boy? Do you remember the song the mailman goes, my, ay, 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 no letter today. And it's hard to sing that after listening to Skyliner. My parents played and listened to classical music and 
Swedish folk music, and they would have stopped breathing before they'd listened to Ernest Tubb or Merle Travis. But there was always someone crying over a letter from an unfaithful sweetheart on the radio when I visited friends, so I got to hear these songs. Now you might remember one called Won't You Put Away the Glass? Oh, I wish I could sing it. And this Won't You Put Away the Glass song was sung by a woman who had a man who drank too much. Anyway, no one sends letters anymore, you know. You'd, you'd have to think an awful lot of a woman, wouldn't you, to spend 50 cents or so on a stamp when you, couldn't just, when you could just as well whisk out an email? Who sends letters now, put postage on them? When was the last time you heard a country and western song about unfriending someone after a DNA test proved that he wasn't the father? Or when did you hear a song about sending someone an email for breaking your heart? I sent her an email for breaking my heart. Now, I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com. When you heard me sing that, didn't you have to admit that something was lacking? Who ever heard of a Dear John email?
Well, we, fi- we finally got the womp on that one. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am the, the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. How high, I'd like to ask you, how high would the price of gas have to be before you'd stop driving your car and walk? Take a bus or ride a bike. I don't know. But I do know that you and I are hooked. We have the automobile habit. Because someday we'll all have electric cars that run on batteries that are charged by the sunlight. The batteries will be improved so you'll get more than 100 miles between charges. You, you have probably read that Saudi Arabia plans to abandon fuel oil and be completely shifted over to solar power within the lifetime of the present ruler. Uh, he's 68, 72, somewhere in there. The Saudis plan to use solar energy themselves and sell every blessed bit of oil they have left at the highest price they can get to the last sucker still addicted to gasoline engines and oil-fired boilers. Guess who that's going to be? When the well finally runs out of oil, it'll be even more painful than the transition from the hoss and buggy to the automobile. Think about this. All of the people who produce and service oil fuel engines will be in exactly the same position as the folks who once made buggy whips and wooden wagon wheels. Thank you. 
Stan Getz. Google is a wonderful thing. How else could I have learned that some scientists have discovered how to make teeth fill-ins out of the same polyethylene fibers used in bulletproof vests? Did you hear that? They're making teeth fill-ins out of the same poly- polyethylene fibers used in bulletproof vests. I'm so old, I can remember when Superman was the only person who could catch bullets in his teeth and spit them back at the bad guys. Now, with her enhanced technological prowess, your basic great-grandmother will be required to have her jaws licensed as a lethal weapon.
Peter Eklund here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening with any luck at all. You can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Right here on your favorite radio station, we read in the newspaper that a man is accused of shooting his wife in the head after she nagged him about the cost of a new muffler on his car. He reportedly said that he simply couldn't take it anymore. How many husbands do you know who will probably cut out that article and paste it on the refrigerator door?
Aaron Robinson. You might know Aaron Robinson. He lives up Alna Head Tide up there above Damascot or somewhere. He lives in one of them places that you really can't get to from here, you know. A lot of them places in Maine. Aaron Robinson playing Max Morath. My friend Rich says that some people who buy lottery tickets don't have a firm grasp on what you can do with $30 million. Rich says some TV reporter interviewed a man who bought a lottery ticket. And of course the reporter asked him what he'd do if he won $30 million. And the fellow said he'd pay off his house mortgage. <laughs> Think about this. If it took $30 million to pay off your house mortgage, would you be in that socioeconomic class of people who buy lottery tickets at a gas station?
would not be led by romance, no. Then right at your first glance, what happened? I fell like a drinker, hook, line, and sinker. I had to do it, was glad to do it. Sweetheart, I never knew how grand it was to fall in love with you. Wanted to play some Stan Getz for you, but the machine has absolutely refused to bring up anything but a barking dog. Addiction, you know, is a terrible thing. I've I've had no coffee for a week, and I know this. Anyone who has to look at that email before their eyes are open in the morning also knows this. Even more Insidious is Facebook, which I ignored until it completely overpowered me. Being an educator, one morning I posted a synopsis of an enemy of the people on my Facebook page. You know, just in case a couple of my friends were unfamiliar with Ibsen's An Enemy of the People. Reading things like An Enemy of the People is part of one's education. Even if it doesn't change the way one votes, it might activate some unused thought process that will will enable one to finally understand the power of lots of money. And even better than the opportunity to pass along interesting things to one's friends on Facebook are the interesting messages that appear there from one's friends. My artist friend, Wilder Oaks, very astutely compares it with getting messages from a trance medium on a Ouija board. 